Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Green Pole Podcast. I'm trying to find some positives. And joining me in that fruitless search for a bit of uplifting news is Alan Druitt. Hello, Alan. How are you, mate? Hello, Dan. Um, positivity, I'm not sure we're going to get any on this podcast, but we'll give it a go. We can at least have a rant. Um, <laughs> and let's start where, well, there's only one place to start. We'll get to the absolutely devastating and insipid Derby performance uh, at some point. But the news after the game that Alexander Mitrovic has got his big move to the footballing powerhouse that is Al Halal um, was announced by Marco Silva um, after the match. We think it's about 46, possibly 47 million pounds. Um, but it all leaves a rather bitter taste in the mouth. And it rather shakes up Fulham's prospects for the remainder of the season without their centre forward, who's been pivotal in establishing us in establishing us back in the in the top flight. We've done the Mitrovic shoulder to death. It's over, and it feels rather, I don't know, anticlimactic and uh, and pointless. Alan, where where do you stand on all this, mate? When we spoke on Thursday, I said that I wanted it to be dealt with as soon as possible. It needed to come to an end. It has come to to an end. I don't think Mitrovic has covered himself in glory over the last few months, if I'm being completely honest. Take what he's done for on the pitch away from this just for a second. You know, it was only about four or five weeks ago he was seen on Instagram liking him being photoshopped on a <clears throat> Al Hilal shirt. You know, it's it's not been a, a secret that he's been wanting to leave. I just feel he could have he could have dealt with this a bit better himself. Um, we're sort of in this situation now where our talisman has gone, and we don't look like scoring a goal. If I'm being completely honest, the last two games, I'm worried. Uh, I think that worry was confirmed even more when he brought on Moonies yesterday. Um. That just seemed odd to me. It did. And you sort of go, well... And I think Silva announcing the exit was out of pure frustration. Uh, Silva's in a, a in a place where I, I'm struggling to see him stay past his contract. Whether he sees out his contract, I don't know. We're just in a bit of a mess at the minute. But my biggest concern now is when a football club loses such a high-profile player, loses their talisman, it can sometimes take a season. It can sometimes take 18 months to not only get, find a replacement, but find a suitable replacement, which then helps take the club to that next level. I don't know if I trust the powers that be to be able to provide us with a striker within, what's it, 12 days now that's going to make us compete and make us challenge for a top 10, top 12. We may need to lower our expectations for this season. But I still stand by what I said and what was said on the podcast last season. For me, Paulinho leaving would have been worse for us as a football club at this moment in time than Mitrovic. It's just the way he's left, he's left a sour taste. I mean, I don't wish to have everyone plunging for the alcohol, but the, you know the transfer <laughs> window is still open. Um, Paulinho is absolutely pivotal, but I think you've hit the nail on the head. There's two things here. 
footballers are not uh, politicians or diplomats, and thank goodness, or would be in a much worse place, <laughs> they're not expected to be masters of everything they survey. Um, I- I'd like to understand what it is that has convinced Mitrovic that he want that he had to make this move. I do think this persistent ankle injury is a bit more serious than than has been suggested. But there's no doubt the money on the table turns a few heads. It turned William's head by the sound of it. Marco Silva has rejected a couple of approaches from Saudi clubs. But the 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 key the, there's two things here. Mitrich hasn't handled himself in glory, but he wanted to go. He, he he's gone, and it leaves Fulham in a real hole. Because this was meant to be the summer where we built on, frankly. An outstanding season last year. Nobody, not 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 even you and I, Al and Frankie and and the other colleagues that we had on the podcast throughout last year, could have predicted that we'd finish tenth. And the way we we did it last season, and Silver was very clear when he was asked about his own intentions going forward. He'd wait to see whether the ambition of the football club matched his own. Um, and as Clubby has written in, in a piece this morning. You, you know, you don't need to be a detective for the FBI or something to work out that uh, there may be a divergence uh, mm. over those two things because nowhere would Marco Silva have been planning to lose a pivotal player and have only a short period of time in which to replace him. I don't know, Al, I'm quite... The, the initial statement from Fulham, I saw you you tweeted about it last night, the initial statement from Fulham was quite terse. It, it was perfect for me. I think that's exactly how what we should have done and how we should have left it. Now, we did post a, a montage video this morning. I've not bring, brought myself around to, to watch it, um, and I don't think I will. Um, it's not the worst it, video concerning Mitrovic that's appeared on social media in the last 24 <laughs> hours, is it? But you know, no, to tell us, did... you know, some people are not online like we are. I, I, I think the one that Al Halal put out defies description, but you can give it a go if you want. <clears throat> oh, don't just paid actors everywhere. But I would just like on to Stephen make two more points. I know, um, but show. there is. Yeah, I'm trying not to uh, think too much about that because it is just um, it's just disrespectful on every level. Um, but look, there are two points I want to make on this, and that would be me. It's firstly Mitrovic come out in 2019, 2020, and he said, you know, players say things all the time, and I get it, money talks. But ultimately, he come out and he said, why do I want to leave Fulham? I call it home. I'd never go anywhere for money. That's the first thing that sort of riled my back up a little bit. But two, the reason why this transfer hurt more than most is when you go back as far as Saha, he left, he wanted to leave, he went Man United, fair enough. Dembele, Dempsey, Malbronk, they all expressed their desire to leave, but they've left for ambition. They've left to take their next step. For me, this is Mitrovic's way of cashing out. He's 28, you know, he has this recurring ankle injury, which, as you said, is probably a bit more sinister than the club's let on. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I'm hoping now that this will be the last time that we mention 
Mitrovic on the podcast. Uh, it probably won't be because later on in the season, when if we're struggling for goals, he's obviously his name's going to creep up. But yeah, it was just those two things which which annoyed me a little bit. And it seems to be a general feeling around the fan base is the majority of people are annoyed more of the case of where he's gone rather than he's the fact he's gone. Um, I think if you know he come out and he was signing for Tottenham or United. You'd be a bit annoyed, but you'd accept it. But the fact he's gone to a nothing league, playing for a nothing club, it's it's rather annoying. Well, I mean, the, the positive from that is he's not going to play against us. Yeah. Um, and that that was the thing that rankled with Sahar, I think, was you could see that Louis, who was a great player, um, had the potential to go to the very top, and injuries probably robbed him of that. But he went to a team that was playing against us regularly and he scored against us regularly for whichever team he then went on to play. I think Mitrovic has the capability to play in the top leagues. He's proved it. And yeah. I think if what you're what you're hinting at is if this was a move on footballing grounds, then nobody would have a problem with that. Because I think it's, it's easy accepted. to accept. I think it's accepted that, you know. He's probably performing at a level where we've been lucky to have him for as long as we have. Yeah. I, I think genuinely, the longer he's been scoring these goals, the more difficult it became to resist a big offer. We didn't expect it to come from the new entrant into um, global sports, and you know, who in the manner that it has. I do wonder um, if we're talking about recruitment. That was the Saudi Arabian determination to sign Mitrovic only enhanced by Tony Khan's comments. We will never know, I don't think. But you do have to move on, and we will. The frustrating element for me is it leaves Fulham in a real hole. And that's the last point I want to cover here. People talk about replacing Mitrovic. You're not going to be able to replace a player whose hold-up play, whose physicality and goal-scoring is so potent and is so intrinsic to the way we played under Marco Silva. You're probably not going to be able to replace him with two strikers because you'd want to change the way we play. It's clear that Raul Jimenez is a different type of striker and anyone who's judging him on 114 minutes, competitive minutes in a Fulham shirt, should take a long, hard look at themselves, especially when you consider what he's had to play with so far. But he's not that type of striker. And getting, everyone knows now we've got this money burning a hole in our pockets, so to speak. Not you and I, but the football club. Um, and that's going to make doing a deal more difficult. And I look at the names we've already been linked with. Balagon, um, a couple of strikers from France. Beto from Udinese. I mean, all of them represent a gamble. And as I was, I was hinting at before, this is the chance for Fulham to build on the success of what a great team had achieved last season. And now we don't look... With 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 the greatest respect to Bobby Decordova, Reed who scored one and went very close to equalising yesterday um, at a time when we looked like we might be getting back into the game. Um, we don't look like troubling the scorers much um, at the moment. And that is concerning. And the next two games, we're going to have problems at the other end of the pitch. <laughs> I think how it's appropriate... Because we do have to talk about the football that happened yesterday, even though we didn't play very much of it. 
Um, that was bad, wasn't it? I mean, there's a case for that first 45 minutes to have been worse than the first 45 minutes at Goodison, but the whole experience was very humbling, I think. It was... I just want to go back backtrack just for one second. Um, the first... Regarding Mitrovic going and trying to replace him, you're right, we're not going to be able to. So, would I wouldn't be too disappointed, and I know people may not agree with this, if Vinicius was given that chance to fill that role just for whether that's still January, whether whether that's still the end of the season, and then we have a whole season to to plan. I know it's risky, but I trust Silva, I trust Boamorte, I trust the coaching team. Vinicius, towards the end of last season, he came into his own, and I felt like we have a player in him now, and rather than splashing out forty fifty million pound on a super replacement for Mitrovic. Now, I wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be too disastrous if we put our faith in him, at least till January, store some of that money that we've got from the transfer. And if needs must, spend it in January. If not, we now have a whole season to plan to buy that striker as close I'll, as not. I'll just put the counterpoint. If we don't go and get a couple of strikers in the next 12 days, um, it shows the poverty of ambition at the football club very starkly. And that might make Silva's mind up. I think what you're saying yeah. is you've got, uh, I don't think Munez is the answer in the Premier League. Unfortunately, yeah. seems a likeable guy. Certainly had an eye for goal in the championship, but he's very raw. Jimenez, there's something in Jimenez um, that, I, that I like, but it's a question of whether he can still score goals in the Premier League or whether we can reconstruct the team to provide him with the chances. I know what you're saying about Carlos and I like him. I always have. But I think between them and a couple of maybe a loan signing or maybe a a signing that becomes available, what you're saying is reassess the situation in January and and, 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 and go into the market there if there's an option or you buy a you have a, a a period to assess the market and and spend some of that money later in the piece. I don't think what you're suggesting is we don't go and buy a right because the other element, of course, is there's still other areas of the squad we need to upgrade. Well, this is and, it, and the thing is, we only have twelve days to do it. And you know, we're still going to need some fullbacks. And blind me, based on yesterday, which we'll get to, we might need some defend more defenders. We're certainly, you know. Um, and if uh, if Palini is going to get booked for kicking the ball away or making a tackle, then you know we might need to revisit the centre of midfield. <laughs> and all yeah, of this I've... becomes very difficult to integrate all of those signings. That's why I thought we did so well last season, competing at the yeah. top level with so many new arrivals. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to move on. We, Otherwise, we'll we never... signed we on, signed mate. them early on. We made it. We made the crucial signings early on. In the, in the transfer window, which is and we're making the same we're making the same mistakes now than we have done three or four years ago. Oh, I'm sort of bored about talking about the fallacy of this idea that there'll be value at the end of the window, and we should just wait until the end of the window. It's rather like going into the casino and saying I've got real faith in the roulette wheel to deliver me yeah. the goods. <laughs> you know, it may work sort of once or twice, but it ain't going to be a long term solution. And for people who are serious businessmen and make money in other elements of 
uh, 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 business, they have to recognise that sport, professional sport, uh, and they, you know, they have been given a rude awakening here. Um, professional yeah. sport is not like another business. If you declare your asking price, and by the way, if it is forty-seven million pounds, it's short of the asking price, which tells you everything about yeah. where we were with this transfer. But people can come up with the money at the last possible moment. Daniel Levy was a master at doing this. And it feels like every opportunity we get to progress, we either shoot ourselves in the foot or we're at the sharp end of some very sharp practice. But there we are. We're still Fulham. We're still in the Premier League. And now we have to go through a very uncomfortable period, you and I, of discussing what was until half-time, Alan, there wasn't much quality on show. It looked like two teams who didn't have their top forwards on display because that's what it was like. But there yeah. wasn't much between the sides. And then Issa Diop made a mistake, didn't he? Well, well, at, at two o'clock yesterday, I saw that lineup and it didn't inspire me one little bit. I was worried when I saw that lineup. I, I we spoke on Thursday. I didn't want Bobby Reed to start because I I feel William would have been the better option. I didn't um, have any inside Reed... information, by the way, when I asked you that. <laughs> I was just saying because he'd scored and because he's never let us down and he works hard, you might cover the ground yeah. in a derby. You know, no, I get that. And Reem starting as well, it didn't fill me with any confidence. But the, I was very disappointed with the first half. You know, Silver come out and said we need a crowd behind us. It's a derby. You look forward to it, but it was flat. There was there was no quality at all, at all, as you mentioned. A silly mistake from Diop. He does have that in him. Um, and yeah, you just sort of go, when you break it down, the first goal was a, a silly mistake. The second we'll goal the, was... I just want to touch on that for a we'll moment. We'll go on to that. But there yeah, was a, Tony Gale did the, um, did the Sky coverage of the game. And I always have time for, for Tony Gale. Because even though he is Fulham and slightly more West Ham, I think later in his career, but he tells it honestly, and he's one of the. But he is Fulham, and he's well informed about Fulham. Yeah, and he, he just said something that caught my that that Diop paid the penalty for not looking forwards with the ball there, and it was weird. It was like it, he didn't put enough on the back pass. And then by Leno scrambling out to try and save the situation, that made Visa's job a little bit easier because he could skip round Ream and he was round Leno in a flash and he finished it reasonably well, showed the poise that our Fulham forwards failed to do all afternoon. Um, and I get what you're saying. It was a very laborious pedestrian first half, but that's exactly what happened at Everton. We didn't have a shot on target at Everton either in the first 45 minutes. And no. Brentford are just very well drilled. And given the uh, given the discussion we were having before, it's galling to admit it. They're just a better run football club than 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 Fulham, on a fraction of the the budget, frankly. Um, and then, how, what did you think of the start of the second half? I thought we started the second half reasonably well. Well, we we couldn't have been much worse, to be honest. <laughs> but no, there was signs of improvement in that second half uh, but yeah we just still didn't look like we were going to create that that chance that killer chance where you think you know we're going to score here no, 
we never really had us on the edge of our seats. The only moment was when, and it was wonderfully crafted, that nice little move where it goes out to the right, comes back into Harrison Reed, who's actually in the box rather than on the right wing. I don't like seeing him out on the right wing. Um, and he lays it back for Bobby, and Deckard Overeem chips it against the bar. And I know football's all ifs, buts and maybes, but I think that was the, the moment. Had it gone in, um, yeah. it would have been a very different game. I would just he say... He missed that, didn't he? Sorry, mate. He, ne- he, never, he didn't seem to catch that right. He did well, have time to take the touch and hit his right, but it didn't really work. But, yeah. The frustration I was, I thought, uh, Flecken in the Brentford goal, he looked a bit nervy. He did. Even in we the first we were whipping in corners and the referee was giving free kicks for ghosts making challenges at the near post. Um, and that did it a crossbar in that first half when he I'm gave that saying, free kick. Like, the frustration <laughs> was they looked a bit jittery and we weren't able to put enough pressure on them. There was a moment where Raul Jimenez took the ball off the goalkeeper in the first half and we weren't mm. urgent enough. They pressed... Very strongly, they got the rewards from it. We weren't quite at it, and I did just want to make two things: Helena, Helena, Herrera didn't look fit at all. No, no, I agree. Um, he didn't, and he was flagging. And I, part of me, you know, Lukic, I thought had a decent game in central midfield, um, but. When Polina is not there and when Polina is there, it's talk, chalk and cheese, isn't it, Al? It is. And it just goes to show that, with for me, which is why Paulina is 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 the most important player in our squad at this moment in time. We we lose him this this window, then I, I think we're one of the certain, certain thieves of bottom through. Now, that sounds a bit, you know... A, well, you can't lose your two but... most important players and expect... So, but you know, we only finished. We finished halfway up the table, largely as a consequence of Polina, Mitrovic when he was there, and Leno in goal. Well, this is it, and it's just so frustrating. But just to touch on the second goal, now oh. we are going to get into it. I might as well bring it up well, now. Yeah. I where I sit, um, I sit in a Johnny Haynes stand, right by the enclosure. I was right in line with that. Now. I'm 99.9% certain if Wissa doesn't slap that ball down after he's fell down, and he, he did fall, he, he miskicked it, that penalty's never given. Um, one, it's not a penalty. You can look at that 100 times. It's not. There's no contact. Visa's moved himself into Ream, tried to be clever. I get that. But there's there's no physical contact which makes him then go he's down. He's bought it. That's what he's done. It, yeah, and the only thing is, because the penalty is given, he then has to book Ream, which was his, his second yellow, and that's it, the game's gone. Uh, I don't want to sound too sour on the incident, but personally, I don't think we'd have got back in the game, even if it the penalty wasn't given. I still feel, as you said, Pereira didn't seem fit. The whole team just seemed disjointed. This It's worrying at the moment, and... I don't want to sound too negative and I don't want to, you know, make something greater than it actually is or what it could be. I'm worried. For the well, first time, I mean, I mean, the only thing I'm worried. that everyone's worried because this was a very flat performance for the second week running. And whereas last week we were 
saved by our substitutes and produced a, a good second half and, and ground it out. Um, Brentford were better than us yesterday. Just, and just it, was, it was not difficult, to be honest. There's I no, see Norwich. Well, well and uh, there's, <laughs> there's that. There's that. But there's a couple of things here. Re- on, on the penalty, I, I, I'm afraid I just don't know what a penalty is and isn't anymore. That, that's one of the consequences of of this. And the, the corollary, you mentioned the second yellow card. Well, there are a lot of tackles that he let go in that game. And I understand why the tackle from behind is a yellow card, the first one. But... That's a clear, that that looks to me a clear and obvious error. Yeah. Right? That's what VAR is meant to be there for. At the moment, it seems like the referee's made an on-field decision and you know, short of him, like, mistaking a white shirt for a green one, you're not going to get anything overturned if the referee's given it. And it's rather like when they brought in... Um, umpires calling cricket you and I like cricket half the audience is going to switch off but you need to get this <laughs> functioning correctly in order to get it right but you're right the performance was flat we might not have got back in it but it's the fact that ring the constant of our defence is now you know defenders do that every week they put their body across the striker to shepherd the ball out for the goal kick or back to the goalkeeper that yeah. seemed to me what he was doing, using his body to get himself in a better position and shield the ball from the striker and get Leno to come and get it or shield it behind for a goal kick. If you can't do that, then we might as well not say... <laughs> Have defenders. Anymore. <laughs> okay? Yeah. We might as well just say, right, okay, it's a penalty every time. Because contact, they say, you said there was no contact. Well, there was contact. But is it contact enough to be a penalty? And I've got to tell you, you know, you used to have to really hurt someone to get a penalty, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And I I don't recognise what's going on anymore. It was a good penalty. He's obviously learnt from the sort of uh, Ivan Tony style run-up, completely mesmerised Leno. They got a third one. And the day was done. The game was done at uh, 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 2-0. But I do want to return to what you're saying. The penalty decision and sort of quibbles about the selection and Diop's mistake can't mask that we play two teams so far this season. And we look a shadow of the team that did so well last year. Now, part of that is because some of our key players have been absent through injury or whatever, and it's early in the season. But last year, we looked so up for the start of the season. We played at such intensity, we surprised teams. There doesn't seem to be that element of surprise at the moment, Al. No, it it is that, I hate the word, but it's that second season syndrome, isn't it? But one thing I want to ask you is, does is everything leading to... So Marco Silva not seeing out his contract. I know I mentioned it in, the, uh, in this pod already, but your thoughts on is everything that's happening, he's not getting his transfers, which is a common and common denominator with Fulham managers and transfers. The flat start, the everything just seems disjointed. Is this Silva's last season? 
well, managing I for mean, them. I mean, factually, at the moment, it is because he's not signed a new contract and his contract's up at the end of the season. But all I would say is if he really wanted to go out, he'd have gone to West Ham when West Ham came calling when they were thinking about uh, sacking David Moyes. If he really wanted to be somewhere else, he'd have gone to Saudi Arabia and taken the money. And I don't think after last season he'd have been short of offers from other clubs. Silver's here because he still thinks he can do a job in the Premier League and he quite likes it at Fulham. Let's be clear about that. It's a good club to work for. You will get you will get finance. And we're a fairly unforgiving set of fans, Mitrovic aside. Um, you know, we, we allow... It's a nice place to work. We're, we're not um, deluded like some of the other uh, London teams' support base. You know, we don't demand instant success. But I do think he has to look at it and think, this is not what I had planned. And it's now an incredibly pivotal period in the transfer window. And he's the onus is then still on him to make it work, you know, to cook with the ingredients he's provided, right? I don't know when he became a chef, but that's the analogy I've, <laughs> I've gone with. I still think there's potential for him to stay, but the onus is now very much on the ownership to say, right, circumstances have changed. We're going to make a concerted effort to support you. And nobody would blame him. The, the, the bigger problem is, does he get to the end of the season? Is it a Kanovic-style situation where he gets blamed for a drop-off in the performances and he's almost set up to fail? That I would hate to see, but that's sort of what happened at Everton in Marco mm. Silva's past. And that's why he's so motivated to try and be a success in the Premier League. But at the moment, it's not looking good, Al. It isn't. And, you know, Williams' performance last week wasn't great. His first game of the season. He's had his head turned in the summer. He's decided to stay. Silver's, you know, as much as we like to think, he's obviously had his head turned a little bit. I think that money that he was offered was life-changing. Um, but again, it comes down to ambition. And he's obviously got a lot of ambition. Now is our time to match that ambition the best we can. Um, what I would like to see in the next couple of weeks is I would like to see Silver come out opposed Silver signs a new contract because then that sort of calms everyone down at the club. The whole summer at this well, moment time... Is... We'd love to see it, mate. But why would you... If you're not getting what you want... No, but this manager, is it. And you're being yeah. asked to, you know... I hope this conversation is is ancient by the time even we release the podcast and uh, and, you know... But if you're not able to compete at the level you thought you were going to be able to, and suddenly, because we have to scale back our expectations. We were talking about, you know, lower mid-table. I think this season is going to be a grind at the moment. And we have to suddenly start looking at getting to 40 points, which is yeah, going to be hard. It will be hard, but I think... Why is he going to sign a new contract if suddenly the everything's the expectations have changed and the new reality sets in, and that's nothing to do with him. No, when I talk about signing a new contract, it's a, in a result of him being happy with the business we've done in the next couple of weeks. Now, the problem we've got is we are running out of time. We do need a lot of players. And one thing I still can't 
get my head around is Demara Gray's been signing for the last three weeks. Callum Hudson-Odoi's been signing for the last three weeks. But yet, players like Adama Traore, Raul Jimenez, they're, they're speculation and they're signed within two to three days. I just Why wonder if we... the FFP position is not as rosy as we thought. I wonder if we needed a big sale. We, remember, we spent a lot of money on Bassi. No, maybe we needed a sale to facilitate some of these other deals if those teams are going to haggle over the price. I don't think Damari Gray is coming now as a result of Adama Traore. I'd be pleasantly surprised if he did. Um, but your big problem now is you've got a gaping hole at centre-forward. I did just want to touch on one of the listeners got in touch and asked how we get the best out of Raul Jimenez. I don't know if that was before or after yesterday's game. <laughs> and I think you almost have to get runners running beyond Raul Jimenez and interchanging in the penalty area and in wide areas because he's as much a creator of goals as he is a scorer. Um, yeah. And we just looked really flat. I thought Wilson was fairly anonymous yesterday. Game passed him by. And if you don't have that movement in the final third, um, then Jimenez is going to be less effective. And also, very difficult against Collins and Pinnock yesterday, two uncompromising big centre-halves. Yeah, yeah and we were still trying to play to the same way. And, and do things. Go on, mate. Yeah. And that's the thing. We were still trying to play the same way. There was a few times when balls were lumped forward or they were sort of thrown into Jimenez and he's never going to win the ball in the air against six foot six players like Pinnock, I think that's how tall he is. We, he, he prefers the ball at, at his feet. Now, when he was successful at Wolves, he had Traore, who's now with us, running beyond him. And as you said, he needs he's a player that likes to drop deep and get involved in the game. But I don't think that's what we need at this moment in time. I, we need someone that's going to hold the ball up because we've not had that time or Silver's had a chance to find a different way of playing. Because you remember, ever since Silva's come in, everything's revolved around Mitrovic. So, and that leads me back to the point I made earlier on, was Vinicius is probably the best replacement we've got at this moment in time to get us through these next few weeks. Because uh, whoever we bring in, there's no one really in the Premier League you turn around and go, do you know what? I'd have him and he'd fit straight in. Mate, so I'll get, if to... Vinicius scores a hat-trick against, against Arsenal and then Manchester City... I'll give it to you. He can start no, for but, the season. But this is know, it. You're and that kind of underlines on... the task that we've got ahead of us. Well, this is it. You're having to rely on someone from, whether that's Portugal, Spain, Italy, Germany. You're having to rely on someone probably that's never had a, a minute in a Premier League before. And it is an unforgiving league. So it is a gamble. And it's interesting now whether Tony Khan and everyone else within the club rolls the dice and goes right. Is our ambition. Yeah, because the is other it? point is, you know, we've all been asked to cough up a little bit more for our season tickets. And at the moment, don't know about you, but that defeat yesterday didn't thrill me as much as drawing with Liverpool. <laughs> you know, Do you know what? Maybe, I'm, my, my maybe mom... I'm in a minority of one, but I suspect not. No, you're right. My mum was sitting next to me yesterday and she said the exact same thing. We've been made to pay almost 50, 50% increase on last season's season tickets. 50% maybe a bit ex extravagant but there's been an increase and what we're seeing doesn't match that so no, but we I get expect... it's and we can't always perform but you, you no. want to see something and at you the want moment... to see some fight 
Yeah. At the moment, we're going backwards. Right. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't particularly uplifting, Al, but you and I, I think, feel better for getting it off our chest. Um, yeah, I apologise to the listeners for having to listen to it. <laughs> well, it's the best we could do. We will be back, unbelievably, to preview the Arsenal game uh, when we might have a bit more positivity, although I, I, I doubt it somehow. Um, thanks, Al. Really appreciate you giving up your Sunday to have a chat with me. No problem, Dan. Any any time. And uh, thanks to everyone who was so kind again about the podcast this week. We'll be back uh, next week, hopefully with some more positive news. Come on, you whites. <laughs>